Good morning, everyone. Digital assets have had a banner year in the last 12 months. Not only did the emerging asset class recover swiftly from the liquidity crisis a year ago, but more importantly, we saw a major shift from a narrative-driven market around promise and potential to a market that's slowly driven by hard fundamental factors such as total value locked, price to sales, and book value. We're no longer just seeing Bitcoin dominate the headlines for being the world's most desirable store value, but are now also starting to see the DeFi and NFT space gain their first mainstream mentions. We're among the first firms to take a quantitative fundamentals first approach and believe it will be eventually become the standard in valuing this emerging asset class as it has been the standard in equities for decades. In today's market update, I'll be sharing with you why I believe this is a super cycle rather than yet another four-year cycle, how the landscape has dramatically changed over the last few years, and what headwinds and black swans we are paying attention to. Sincerely, Felix Hartman, Managing Partner. What if it's 2003? Exploring the super cycle. I've spent more time than I like to admit studying the past cycles of crypto assets. They work like clockwork, but one has to wonder why that is. For 12 years, we had nearly perfect four-year cycles, resulting from the following chain of events. It all starts with curious innovators building cool tech. They ship. A paradigm shift occurs. In 2010, it was non-sovereign internet money. 2014, it was the Silk Road and adoption. 2017, the ICO mania and smart contracts. 2020, 2021, DeFi and NFTs. With a paradigm shift, investors enter the market. As investors enter the market, the price goes up. Speculators enter the market. And the price goes parabolic. Hype enters the market. Prices become grossly overvalued. At this point, fundamentals cannot keep up with price appreciation. And the original investors take profits. The price starts correcting. Speculators panic sell. Long leverage is liquidated, creating lower lows. At this point, team funding dries up, the speed of innovation slows, and some developers quit. Investors at this stage, the ones that haven't sold, get disillusioned. Now they sell. A long value of death forms on the chart while innovators continue to build. And eventually, finally, they ship the next release. And we start all over again. One has to ask, how can we end the cycle of hype and disillusionment. The key is to keep shipping new releases at a fast pace and not give disillusionment a chance to slip in. And that's exactly what we've been seeing over the past 12 months. Every single day, a new feature, a version two, or a new mainnet goes live. Every single day, there's a new genuine reason to be excited about the digital asset space. And every single day, there's more and more hard fundamental value backing up the seemingly lofty valuation numbers. The question I start asking myself and my team is, what if it's 2003? Here I posted a chart from Amazon and Apple ranging from 1997 to today. After the dot-com bubble burst and tech experienced a long bear market, similar to the digital asset bear market of 2018 to 2020, Dotcom had has been in one continuous bull market supercycle. Just like digital assets currently developing at a breakneck pace, so did the tech giants over the past two decades. And while tech experienced occasional 30 to 50% deleveraging and corrections, anyone with a long enough time horizon made life-changing money. 
while we stay conscious of some headwinds that could invite such a 30 to 50% pullback, explored in part three, we firmly believe that anyone with an over five-year time horizon should take an honest assessment of the digital asset allocation. It is most likely too small if we consider the perspective that digital assets are an evolution of most traditional asset classes. In fact, I am willing to wager one Bitcoin that the digital asset space will be larger than the NASDAQ by 2025. Playing a super cycle therefore requires a handful of different mindsets. One, betting on teams that build to last. Two, not getting caught up in the hype of the day, but doubling down on sound theses. Three, putting traction and value-driven analysis before promise and potential. Four, ensuring teams have the drive, desire, and financial resources to last a decade. And trading a super cycle, on the other hand, requires mainly one thing. Managing risk above all else will, because we will be given countless thematic rallies to trade. Now that we know what a super cycle could look and feel like, let's explore who will be some of the players partaking in it. The digital asset thematic sectors. The biggest misnomer this industry has not seemed to be able to shake off is the term cryptocurrency. What started as an innocent summary until no later in 2014 has become a fairly ignorant classification as perhaps less than 5% of all digital assets are meant to be form of currency or money. So before we get into what thematic sectors we are exploring, let's quickly redefine what asset classes exist within digital assets. First, crypto monies. From digital gold like Bitcoin to the dozens of algorithmic stablecoins, we have a few serious players aiming to take a bite out of both gold's market cap as well as M2. Arguably, the two players are approaching it in opposite ways. Bitcoin is a store value first and foremost, and a medium of exchange second. Most algorithmic stablecoins are medium of exchange first and foremost, and stores of value second, depending on their rebasing mechanism. Second, crypto commodities. While BTC is purely money, ETH is closer to being a crypto commodity. In fact, that's how the team framed it when they first ICO'd, and the CFTC agrees. Ethereum, is a way, Ethereum, in a way, functions like oil in the real world. You pay a gas fee. Yes, that is actually what we call it. Anytime you do a transaction on Ethereum blockchain. And with a future proposed upgrade titled EIP-1559, some of those gas fees will actually be burned and destroyed, similarly to how we use oil up. Many base layer protocols that offer smart contract infrastructure for layer 2 protocols and dApps use a crypto commodity model. Number three, non-fungible tokens. All the craze in 2021, NFTs have been around for several years and represent all unique values on the blockchain, whether that is art, collectibles, or even digital plots of land within virtual worlds. Four, pass-through tokens. As most projects are fully decentralized and have no central entity behind them, many projects have, sta have started passing governance rights, as well as earnings of a network, onto token holders. This is the subcategory of digital assets we focus on in particular. These tokens give you ownership of a network. And these tokens giving you ownership of a network are incredibly powerful as they have real value and growth as part of the token structure. 
Within the past through token landscape, there are countless thematic sectors we are paying close attention to, as we find they will be the focus in the next few years. In each scenario, we find that owning the infrastructure will be the most valuable asset. First off, DeFi, decentralized finance. DeFi provides the infrastructure that enables every single financial service to be offered as freely and borderlessly as Bitcoin. Already today, you can swap, lend, borrow, insure, and even utilize advanced financial products like perps, options, tranches, and, and more, all without a middleman via the countless decentralized finance products that now bank over $43 billion in assets, up from just a few hundred million a year ago. The second thematic sector we're taking a look at is DWeb, Decentralized Internet Infrastructure. Because what good is DeFi if it is all built on AWS? DWeb is an emerging sector we're paying close attention to that aims to decentralize the entire internet infrastructure from connectivity to DNS, VPNs, browsers, storage, hosting, encoding, and more. The idea is to own unstoppable infrastructure that enables decentralized technologies to become immortal like Bitcoin. The third sector we're looking at is the metaverse, the decentralized social fabric of the internet. The metaverse, while sounding quite abstract, is incredibly interesting. Whether it's gaming, virtual realities, digital identity, or NFT platforms, the metaverse encompasses the digital world from the angle that it is a reality of its own. When you realize that virtual realities will eventually be of the economic size of nation states, it's a no-brainer to own the infrastructure that enables the metaverse. The fourth sector we're looking at are DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. DAOs are like global, borderless, and decentralized LLCs or corporations. In a globalizing world, I'd be happy to bet that by 2030, there will be more DAOs than LLCs. And that by 2024, the average startup will launch as a DAO, either instead or as well as through an LLC. So, so much of the trust issues like share ownership and company bank accounts can be solved via tokenization and multi-sig wallets. We're paying close attention to the protocols that will enable this transformation and usher in the age of DAOs. And the fifth sector we're looking to is privacy infrastructure. If you've ever used DeFi, the first thing you will realize is how awesome it is. The second thing you might notice is how high the gas fees on Ethereum are. But the third thing that most are not paying attention to just yet is how transparent they are. On-chain analytics make you publicly auditable. And that's great for publicly traded companies, but you wouldn't want your bank statements to be on Google updating in real time. We are exploring both natively private blockchains as well as tools that can bring privacy to existing chains. Within these five themes in mind, we see an avalanche of investing opportunities awaiting us in the coming years. Risks, headwinds, and black swans. As the famous saying goes, the most dangerous words in finance are, this time is different. While I'm excited for the future and think that abundance is in store for the digital asset space, it's important to always pause, reflect, and ask oneself what the blind spots may be. While there are a few that I will briefly address, I generally do not see the risk of nation-state bans. This is a thought experiment I've gone through several times, and 10 out of 10 times, it ends with the loser being not the digital asset space, 
but the nation attempting to ban it. Nobody has ever successfully banned digital assets, but many have tried. And the ones that do try to ban digital assets only fall further behind in relevance and economic power as tech talent leaves their country for a more forward-looking home. Innovate or die. In terms of genuine risk, we are actively monitor. Uh, in terms of genuine risks that we are actively monitoring, here are, is what we're paying attention to. Number one, rising interest rates and overall tightening of fiscal policy, leading to a risk-off market environment. The Fed's tone has started to shift, but there seems to be no intention of the current administration to do anything but provide more stimulus. Two, new widespread financial regulation. In the aftermath of Ashigo's meltdown, Melvin Capital fiasco, and the entire GME saga, it is likely going to lead to some form of overhaul of the financial sector that is still unclear. While a risk, this is also an opportunity, as over-regulation of equities is only going to make digital assets more interesting. Three, negative skew tail risk. Whenever there is a crowded trade that is guaranteed, something is bound to go wrong. The famous grayscale arbitrage is one of them. The short version goes as follows. Institutions had the ability to buy GBTC at net asset value and then market sell on brokerages after a short 6-12 to 12 month lockup where it was trading at a significant premium. This premium existed for years and everyone assumed it would always be there. What followed is that several crypto institutions doing this trade synthetically via leading lending platforms utilized leverage to play this guaranteed trade. GBTC, of course, is now not trading at a premium, but rather a double-digit discount. This situation could still end poorly for a few firms in the space, and we're actively monitoring ripple effects, whether that is a lender failing, filing for bankruptcy or a major fund failing, being forced to unwind a massive book of positions with limited liquidity. Either way, we are monitoring the situation actively given the fact that Crayscale makes up over 3% of Bitcoin's market cap. Final thoughts. While the market has been on an incredible rise and individual subsectors such as digital monies and the metaverse could use some cooling off, we find that the space has likely entered a super cycle in which money will rotate within while new allocators are joining the space daily at a rapid pace. All risks currently assessed may lead to short-term pain at most, but the market as a whole continues to be healthy and growing. Teams are working overtime to ship new product in what has become, has become an incredibly competitive space. And capital is flowing into the markets like never before from smart and institutional money. I hope you enjoyed this market update, and I will talk to you soon. Have a good one.